Welcome to a Critical Faith Podcast from the First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, where faith is nurtured, curiosity is encouraged, diversity is welcomed, and all are loved. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Now, our gospel reading is from Matthew 25, and it is the parable of the talents. So let's listen together for the word of God for us today from Matthew 25. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow, and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You can all breathe a sigh of relief right now. Yes, I know. You thought you were going to be hearing a stewardship sermon. After all, that parable that we just heard comes up pretty much every year just around stewardship time. And pastors all over preach a stewardship sermon on that parable. Well, I'll admit I have preached my share of stewardship sermons on this parable, so I am not criticizing anybody. But if I'm going to be completely honest, that wasn't what Jesus was talking about when he told this story. I know that there are a lot of preachers who take this parable and they talk about all the talents that we have been given. Let's set money aside. Just take that completely out of the picture. We have been given talents and abilities to play the organ like Charles, to sing like Vina, to teach, to counsel, to visit, to cook. I mean, there's a whole range of gifts and talents that we have. And I've heard so many sermons on this text, and I think I've preached one or two of them myself, that talks about how 
we need to use our talents to build up God's church, God's people, the kingdom of God. But the reality is, that wasn't what Jesus was talking about either. Think about it. In the parable, the master, the owner, gave the first servant five talents, the second two talents, and the last one talent. One talent doesn't sound like much, does it? I mean, obviously, the owner realized that that third servant just really wasn't worth giving more to. I mean, obviously, he wasn't expecting much from him, or he probably would have given him more than one talent to start with. Well, do you know how much a talent is worth? Depending on who you look at, it was worth anywhere from half a million to a million dollars. I'll take a talent. I'm not going to complain if someone gives me just one talent. It was like for someone in Jesus' day winning the lottery and never having to think about work again. We have been given the most priceless gift of all. And I'm not talking about talent for languages or music or anything else like that. I'm talking about the good news of the gospel. The good news that we have a God who said, you are worth dying for. As imperfect as you are, as much of a sinner as you are, you are worth dying for. We have a God who says, you remember that time when you felt the most unlovable? God loves you. We worship a God who says, you know that thing you're most ashamed of that you haven't even told your spouse or your best friend? I forgive you. We have a God who came to show us what unconditional love looks like and unlimited forgiveness. We have a God who, through the prophets and through Jesus, has said, I have come to, to open the eyes of the blind, to heal the sick, to make the lame walk, to declare the year of our Lord's favor, a year of jubilee, a year of everybody being set free and deaths being removed. We have... A God who says, I will walk with you through the valleys of the shadow of death, and I will stand with you on the mountains. This story is not about the owner knowing that one servant wasn't as trustworthy or as worthy as the others, therefore only giving him one talent. This is a story about God's grace being poured into our lives with such abundance that we simply can't handle it. This is a story about God's abundant grace filling us up to overflowing. And the question Jesus asks then is, what are you going to do with this incredible gift you've been given? Theologian and biblical scholar Frederick Bruner points out that the first servant who was given five talents immediately goes out, goes to work, and wins, that's actually what the Greek says, wins five more talents. Same with the second servant and his two talents. He goes out, he goes to work, and he wins two more talents. Our English translations often don't do justice to the Greek. In this case, those words for going out and going to work and winning are very aggressive words. The servants take the riches they've been given, they invest them, they use them, they risk them not knowing what kind of a return they're going to get. Anybody knows if you try to double your money, you got to take some big risks. You know, before you knew it, two talents became four. Five talents became ten. The Christian life is not a passive activity. 
it is actively sharing and actively using and actively investing what we have been given. How do we share the good news? How do we use the good news for others? How do we invest the good news in others? How do we live the good news of God's unfathomable love? We aggressively put it into practice. When we see someone in need, we stop. We care about them. That may mean we end up bringing them food or taking them to a doctor or a hospital. It may mean we just sit there with them and are present with them or that we listen to their stories. We walk in the footsteps of the prophets who stood up and spoke for justice when justice was denied, who risked the anger of those in power so that those without power might be lifted up. We love those whom we find difficult to love. We forgive those who have hurt us. We identify our enemies so we know who to direct our love toward. We serve others in a spirit of humility. What comes back to us isn't money in the bank. It's changed lives, one of which is ours. You can't love others with the love of Christ and not be changed yourself. Just ask any kid who's ever gone on a, a youth mission trip to a culture or a place very, very different from their own and had to serve others. They will tell you it was one of the most impactful events in their lives. You will often find them saying, for the first time, I understood what faith was. For the first time, I understood what it was to be Christ to another person. And when they start telling those stories, you start hearing them hungering for more because it changed them. That's certainly my story. When I was 18, I went uh, as a leader, actually, on a youth mission trip to Tijuana, Mexico. And that simple act of scooping up refried beans into styrofoam cups and handing them through prison bars at the Tijuana jail to the prisoners there is one of the most impactful things I've ever done. Because I think for me, it was truly one of the first times I really ever felt like I was called to be Christ for another person. That I was called to step outside of my comfort zone my comfort zone was pretty small then. And be Christ to another person, to share that talent, that good news with someone else. And you know, that's when I first heard a call to ministry. That's the kind of impact it had on my life. There's no doubt in my mind that as grateful as the prisoners were for food in the Tijuana jail, at least then, if you didn't have family to bring in food you didn't eat, it had a much bigger impact on me. Here's what I realized on looking back on that experience. I don't know that I would have been so affected had I just been called to some sort of a ministry around people I already knew, around people I was already comfortable with. If I limit myself to loving those I already know or serving those I'm already comfortable with, then I'm really not investing the good news in others. Not that it's bad to help those you know and to care about those that you're comfortable with. But the good news is so much more than that. It is for those who feel no one loves them, who feel forgotten, who feel that nobody cares. And what an impact we can make on their lives if we're willing to get out of our comfort zones and invest in them the good news that we have received from Christ. So again, I think about that event for me in Tijuana, and I realize that one reason that was so powerful for me is that up to that point, I can't really say I lived my faith. Like so many people, I went through the motions, 
It's not that I didn't care about others. I did. But I was just living my life. I was playing it safe. I was staying in my, my comfort zone. And that's what my faith was like. I had a pretty safe faith, a pretty comfortable faith. Didn't impinge on anyone. I have to admit, even today, there are times where I look at myself and I say, I still have a pretty safe faith. It's pretty comfortable, even as a pastor. I have my routines. I nurture my faith through prayer and worship and study. I like to think that through my work as a pastor that some of you are finding it helpful for you to grow in your own faith. But I know even now when I step outside of my comfort zone that something special is happening, that the risk is bringing back huge, huge returns. When I am called to push my faith past what I am comfortable with, when I put myself in new places and challenge myself in new ways, when I'm called to love someone that, that I don't want to love, when I'm called to forgive someone that I don't want to forgive, when I am simply dragged kicking and screaming into a new situation for the sake of Christ's calling, every single time on the other side of that, I can say, I have grown so much through that. And I understand again the power of this talent I've been given. I turn back to the parable and the question Jesus asked. Are you actively engaging your faith? Are you aggressively mobilizing your faith to be Christ to somebody else? Are you getting outside of your comfort zone, breaking your routine to increase the return on this faith that God has given you? Are you going out and getting to work and winning? What are you doing with what you've been given? For to be honest, I think a lot of times we're a whole lot like that servant who was just given one talent. It's a whole lot easier to bury what God has given us in the ground, not take any risks, stay comfortable. But here's the thing. That talent doesn't belong to us. It is not ours to keep. It belongs to the one who gave it to us. We have just been entrusted with it to use it to grow its impact on behalf of the one who gave it to us. That, by the way, is the stewardship word. We have been entrusted with the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's love, the good news of God's healing power. What are we going to do with it? Well, that third servant, we remember what he did with it. He went away, he dug a hole, and he hid the money. In Greek, those are actually very passive words. In other words, he did nothing with this great treasure he had been given. I mean, he had an excuse, his excuses. You know, he talked about you know, how mean and cruel and unfair his master was there. But you know something? Jesus actually never cared about the character of the owner. That was never Jesus' focus in this parable. In fact, the owner really doesn't even matter. What matters is the question, what are you doing with what you've been given? How are you sharing it with others? How are you planting seeds with it and watering it so it will grow? Remember, this story starts with a treasure beyond measure. And when we let that change us, it changes how we are in the world. We love deeply because we have first been deeply loved. We're able to forgive others because we know we've been forgiven. We can care for others because we know what it means to be cared for. This was actually a teaching parable. 
Sometimes we think it's a warning parable because it ends up, you know, that, that, that poor uh, servant being thrown out into a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. But it's actually a teaching parable. It's a guide for the faithful. What does your faith look like when you put it on in the morning? How are you going to live that faith that day out in the world? So a man was going on a trip. He entrusted his servants with his wealth. One, he gave five talents to another two, to another one. Went away for a while, and then he waited to see what they would do with it. So let me ask you, are you loving your neighbor? Are you forgiving those who sin against you? Are you loving your enemy? What does that look like? Are you being a peacemaker in times of conflict? What are you willing to risk for the sake of growing the impact of this treasure? Are you willing to risk being hurt to show people that they are loved no matter who they are and what they've done? I say that because not everyone wants to hear that good news. Are you willing to risk being hurt? Are you willing to risk being rejected by welcoming those that others reject? Are you willing to risk being uncomfortable by going outside the box to build relationships with people you don't know who, on the surface, it may seem like you have nothing in common with? I can guarantee you, you'll find that's not true. Are you willing to risk your popularity to stand up for what is right and just and merciful? What are you willing to do to grow God's kingdom and to share the good news of God's love with others? Thank you for joining us today for a Critical Faith Podcast. Please share these podcasts with your family and friends. And if you would like to know more about First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, please like our Facebook page.